You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you from Iowa. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Aaron Castro, live in Arizona, and our new co-host, Liam Madigan-Fried, coming to us from Massachusetts. How was your break, guys? Oh, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I think we all did. Um, I guess the most recent stuff is I spent some time in Texas on my trip to Waco for a football game because the the boss is a Baylor alum. Um, did mix in some business. Did not go to the Austin Combine, but I did sit down and talk uh, with Thierry Dupont, uh, head coach Alan Yarde, and their uh, marketing and sponsorship, I think, guru would be the best way to point it, say it. But uh, – I think it's VP of Marketing Sponsorship, uh, Mike Ablay. So did that this weekend. Uh, I guess we'll share some of that stuff. But Liam, what about you? Um, it was pretty good, pretty uneventful. I've pretty much just been working construction the entire time. But I am a college graduate now, so that's definitely good. And uh, I'm ready to work until I die. I think the rest of us are right there with you, Liam. Welcome to the grind. So for those of you new to the podcast, uh, this is the start of Season 2. We made it, everybody. It's a pretty special day. We're live every Monday night here on YouTube, where we discuss news, rumors, and uh, receive a fair share of abuse about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. This is our chance to discuss the issues, hear from the league, talk with players and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. With all that said, Aaron, fill us in on what we got going on this week. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, as you can see, we've realigned. Uh, Dan Brown has, uh, you know, said that he doesn't have time for us because he's a businessman. He's uh, starting his own gig. So good for him. And he's still remaining, as you can see on our website. He is an advisor to the show, so we will try to bring him back in as much as possible. Liam Madigan is my new co-host. And we've got some other news that we'll uh, talk about, hopefully our next episode that shows a platform realignment. And But really, let's get into Major League Rugby. So, MLR 2020 expansion, 2019 update. Uh, transactions what? and reallocations. Really hard to call that a draft. Uh, we'll briefly talk about, you know, Arrows Raptors exhibition match in Ontario. If you haven't seen it, it is on Facebook in the Ontario Arrows video section on their uh, Facebook page. And of course, we'll get to your questions with some Q&A from Bob and not just from Bob, but Atlanta and Boston. So, so- uh, what, one question that I've been asked now a couple of times is, am I going to be switching my allegiance to Boston? However, um, I think, I, I think at, but all of us at this point can kind of say that we've been covering the league for a, a substantial enough amount of time that, um, you know, we don't really root for anybody anymore. Like we might have some teams that like with, with players who we like and respect a bit more than others. But at this point, I, I kind of like to see everybody do well. And what you know, as much as I write, I like to root for the region. Uh, you know, I, I think at this point I'll be pretty, uh, pretty clear in my unbiased reporting of the Boston team. Wink, wink. Um. Well, yeah. Uh. You know, it's it's good to see that market. It sort of, I guess, it really alleviates some of the travel that New York would have had to have endure over time. I guess. But, um, you know, it's a natural sporting rivalry and you get the Northeast. Uh, you know, some people think that uh, Mystic ha- is a lot stronger than they are. But uh, just pointing out that they won the national championship with a losing record. Not as good as 2016 when they crushed it, though. That was that was a dream season for Josh Smith, I yeah. think. 
think that speaks a lot to Josh Smith's coaching ability and especially the fact that Mystic went through a big uh, so, sort of, I don't want to say, you know, like overturn, but they, they, they brought in a lot of uh, new younger players. Ian Luciano being one of those people. He's a great, great scrum half who has a huge ceiling and he's going to be doing great things, especially when Boston MLR comes along. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about uh, the Boston Free Jacks and the kind of people that Boston has the ability to uh, put on that roster. What's a Free Jack? So a Free Jack, um, as people, as some people uh, uh, watching the podcast might know, uh, the Union Jack is another name for the uh, for the British flag. And so the Free Jack, I guess, is sort of the inverse of that. However, I've spoken with some uh, more learned people on the subject, and it's it's something that uh, is, they haven't really heard of, except for rather except for a few scholarly articles that make some mention of it. I haven't found a ton of info on the term. Yeah, so I I have no idea, but I do like their their two logos that they got going on. But what else is going on in Boston? Who who do you know that's behind Boston? I, I figured out some stuff about Atlanta. So right now we're, uh, we're looking at uh, Alex Mags, Alex Magleby. Um, I've, I've, I've only been calling him Alex Mags for the last couple of weeks. Uh, however, from, from what I've heard it, from my source, it, it, Liam, it is, it is Mags or Alex Magleby? Alex Magleby. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, from, from, from what, from what uh, my sources have been telling me, he's spearheading this project uh, along with some other Dartmouth alumni who have some deep pockets to, in order to finance the whole thing. Um, so it looks like it's coming from a, bitty, a pretty good uh, base of operations. However, the big thing that people are going to have to keep an eye on is the logistics of how this organization is going to be run, because that can be its one downfall. I believe Boston has the ability to poster. I believe they have the people to financially back it. But, you know, as a lot of people have been kind of worried about how is the logistics going to work, especially in a very expensive city like Boston, where getting field time and getting players housing might be an issue. I think we're starting to see with Boston. Um, I wouldn't even say a bit of, you know, people talk about the, the rugby United New York approach. Well, you know, they just launched the brand and you have, I think it's even more of a United approach than uh, rugby United is concerned. Cause I, it's just different. Cause it, people knew who James Kennedy was, whereas people probably know who's involved in the Boston MLR stuff. But it's been like th- this is it's been pretty quiet. Like I want to say, you know, we started hearing rumblings about a Boston MLR franchise. In it's quiet. I think the term methodical might be better because you haven't heard, uh, you know, re- other than Dave Rodinsky uh, coming out with an attempt to uh, bring MLR to Boston um, about a year and a half ago. It's <laughs> uh, other than that attempt to uh, uh, to bring uh, MLR to Boston. We we have our own group chat, and Aaron likes to make funny comments, so I should just tell that to the viewers watching right now. Uh, it, the, but the people in Boston have been working progressively towards this, and it hasn't been anything that's been far fetched or just thrown out there. Um, you know, hoping it w- hoping it would catch fire. You know, it's been something that a lot of people in the city have been working towards to make sure that this is something that can be a successful venture. Unlike, you know, what's looking like for some other clubs in the league landscape. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Sorry, I have something in my something in my throat. Mm. Yeah, so so that's good to hear. Uh, you know, I I don't have any concerns uh, as Alex Magleby as the person, but uh, as long as he takes he's moving to take over and set up in BDOR of Boston MLR franchise, that's fine. Uh, otherwise, it's like you you can't have your high performance director being the director of rugby for one franchise, if that makes sense, you know, because, uh, well, I'm not going to say he, he's, he plays favorites because I don't think he does, but it, it leads to a conflict personally. But I think, uh, you know, that gives you a, an extremely smart guy who knows rugby, who knows how to create an attacking style to select players over time that, you know, will be – I'm just sad green is not their color. Really? Well, he's I a mean, Dartmouth guy. I, mean, I, I, I was kind of, 
I know, but I just like I mean like unless you're the Celtics, I don't think green is a real you know Boston color. I was like you know I know the Irish heritage might might suggest it, but I've always kind of seen it you know as 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 a blue and white city, which actually happened to be the two actual official colors of the country of Ireland. Um, this is you know a, a very lesser known fact that green, white, orange are not in fact the official colors of Ireland. I wow. didn't know that. I also have no so, way of checking that. So we're just going to go ahead and assume it's true. Mm-hmm. So moving on to uh, Atlanta, this is, y- you know, I'd heard that there were two groups in Atlanta a while ago looking at this and that they were on complete opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think it's a different one than the one I was first thinking being in the strong power. But guess what? Uh, I know Phil Holmes had gone on a rugby wrap-up and talked about Obets, Ohio. Well, guess who is behind the Atlanta franchise? And who is that, Aaron? Tiger Rugby. Tiger Rugby. So James Walker. uh, To everything. Yeah. um, James Walker and co. They closed down their residence facility in Ohio. Uh, last year and moved Tiger Rugby's operations actually to it to the Atlanta area, uh, which I found out uh, when uh, Tiger went to Rugby Town Sevens this year. So uh, you've got former Eagle Phil Teal as a coach with uh, one of the clubs down in Atlanta. So that's really cool. Uh, so you've got some high performance coaches behind a new. Uh, a new franchise down there. Uh, they just launched their website. So if you've spent the entire weekend wondering where uh, the Atlanta MLR website uh, is, it, it it's up. Uh, they are a little behind the Boston, New England Free Jacks, but they've got a year to get all that stuff ready, right? <laughs> so they- if you'd like to find that link directly, you can go to the, the uh, our- Rugby Panda, that link is available somewhere on the homepage. Um, So the other thing I think we wanted to hit on, guys, is uh, now that we've got Atlanta and uh, Boston in the mix, what's going on with some of these other teams we've been talking about? Uh, You know, we've had talks about Rooney. We've got uh, Arrows. We've had LA Coast, DC MLR. Uh, Any updates on all of these guys? Well, New York is in. They're on the website. You've got their little shield up. Uh, the arrows, there's some cross-border issues to uh, get through, I think. And from what I understand, when the schedule is announced, they will announce Ontario as a member of the league. It's got to be done because I saw uh, Bill Webb at the uh, New York sponsorship event with uh, the deputy commissioner and the uh, Commissioner Dean House and Nick Benson were there, and they had Ontario Arrows hats. So, which are fresh, by the way. If you've seen those online, their color scheme is like. If you could, if you could send some hats to to EOD, we would gladly, you know, rep them on the set. Hundred okay, well, uh, percent. Nickelback to send their hat. I wear it. <laughs> But uh, as far as DC and LA are concerned, I got I, I got nothing. Uh, everything seemed really good in high summer, and uh, everyone's kind of stopped talking, and which is sort of sad because DC had a thousand season ticket deposits uh, at the end of July. So. That's, well, that whole well, situation is very confusing to me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my assumption would be that, especially with DC having a strong showing, that they would want to maybe maybe they're just trying to get their ducks in the row and they are looking at a 2020 entry. Uh, or that, that would be my hope anyway, just because that's a lot of deposits. And I mean, are they going to take it and run with it? I, I can't imagine that would happen. So turns out Doug is actually just running the DCMLR team. It was a scam the whole time. Well, I so I guess that kind of puts us at a um, to recap. That's good for Rooney. That's good for Arrows. 
And we're just kind of up in the air about the other two. So, uh, yeah, we've had a few questions on that over the last few weeks. I guess well, that's what we knew, guys. We would, sorry, Corey. I think we'd be remiss, though, to not address uh, the red. The San Diego club isn't entirely happy with the fact that MLR decided to let in an L.A. club and thus fan base. So there's been some uns unsubstantiated rumors that uh, that San Diego is really trying uh, – no, I, I shouldn't try and try their hardest uh, an L.A. bid to enter the league. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I think we've heard a lot of this stuff. And uh, there was, there's been talk of development for where San Diego Legion want to put their uh, eventual ground, uh, which should, they're talking about starting to build in the next two years. And they want to build in North County. And... Uh, where the LA Coast were going to play would have been, you know, an hour away. And, you know, it is what it is, but there are other places in LA to play. And if that was really a sticking point, uh, just move to Fullerton. Fullerton has some nice grass. Mm -hmm. And try to grab some real estate out in Carlsbad or something like that. Dale did building a stadium out in the middle of the suburb. So. Uh, moving on to, uh, we're not really gonna, I guess, flush these out like we had done last year because there's just so many, but let's just talk transactions for New York. Uh, player wise, uh, they've announced Ben Foden, Cathal Marsh, Dylan Fawcett, and Seamus Kelly. Staff wise, we've got James English as GM, Mike Tolkien as head coach, Keys Lensing as forwards coach. And if Rugby Rama is correct, Pierre Alnald as CEO. What do you guys think about those names? Well, the name that excites me the most is definitely Mike Tolkien. I think that degree, uh, you know, so, somebody like him with the degree of professionalism and, and the experience on the national stage can only be uh, beneficial. But I, I also think him going into Rooney, which is probably a smaller atmosphere than being with the national to be able to handle uh the team and be a lot more involved uh you know especially concerning some of the complaints that were that, that were happening national teams this is definitely a good thing for mike tolkien to be brought in uh otherwise with you know like dylan fawcett uh, uh, absolute beast when he was playing last last season for glendale i believe and we knew that he was going to be going back so that's not uh, that big of a surprise so i think he's going to be the you know, quote unquote, face of that franchise going forward. Yeah. Uh, he earned the captaincy during their exhibition season before he went on loan to Glendale. So I, I don't think that they were going to let him go, you know, and uh, Seamus Kelly sort of an expectation because he was playing with Nyack and big, you know, big name there, Eagle and local, local guy in finance, you know, um, Cathal Marsh really, I can't wait to see him play because he's he can probably he'll he'll be the best fly half in the league. You know, we're talking about a guy that uh, was earning starts at Leinster, and you know he he got the cut, could have easily gone to France, gotten a good, great payday, and for some reason, and I think he's twenty six, twenty seven. He decided to come to the United States. So we're talking about a guy that will tear it up in the league. And Ben Foden, I mean, he's still he's still dirty. Still dirty. And uh so it's they've got a mm. a nice little core that they're starting to build. Well, and I think this is running. No well go right ahead, Corey. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no problem. I was just going to say, I think this is uh, reminiscent of kind of the lead into season, you know, the first season of MLR, too, where there was a lot of rumors flying around for a lot of time. Um, and it really wasn't, you know, not everything was locked down and solidified till honestly, about a month out from the start. So in that instance, we're really looking at, you know, December before we know for sure who's going to land where and what we're looking at. So. Uh, jo or, uh, Liam, you had something else you wanted to say about this, though? cannot even remember. But, uh, however, I was going to make a comment that uh, Rugby United, United York, 
there was this uh, sentiment even before the official MLR season began that exhibition season that they were a team that could be competitive even if they had entered the league you know right at that stage so I you know ag- agreeing with what Aaron said they have they have their good you know own little core and I think rugby United New York is definitely going to be a team that has the potential to win the East uh, you know this season as, as much of an East division as MLR could possibly have. Sounds so good. moving moving on, uh, let's talk what has been called a draft by several uh, GMs. It's interesting trying to get this out of people. Uh, so I call it <laughs> it's I I had to go to Texas to get it out of people. <laughs> but uh, you know, I talked to uh, several GMs about this, uh, and I, I guess they just it was just something that they needed to do to sort of level the playing field. But with a player reallocation, Liam, do you think that this really makes coaching an important piece? Like it's forcing coaches to get better. The draft specifically. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to make coaching that much more important, but uh, I believe the reason is, is that you're not going to have players who are so regionally oriented, who are, are going to be as familiar with each other. Games that we saw last year came in with a high degree of chemistry just because of playing with each other. So kind of like you said, this is going to be an experiment that's going to try and level the playing field and coaches are going to need to know how to adapt to players who are going to be coming in from different backgrounds, from different rugby cultures and they're going to need to know how to assimilate that into a, into a culture that, if you think about it, they're only just sort of creating. Because this new professional atmosphere in the United States with rugby is totally new to everybody. So coaches are going to be the ones who have to be the focal point of creating that. Yeah. Uh, so as far as what this – if I've got all the ducks in a row, which – it's taken like seven conversations to get all the details. And I don't even think I have all of them. Uh, what it was is, so all of the full-time players and player coaches are on national uh, contracts that are through the league. And so are associate player contracts are through the league as well. But basically depending on who you talk to, it's either all associate players and senior all American graduates, or even some full-time players were entered into the draft. Uh, We really don't know who was picked. Uh, We know one, Alex Elkins has moved to Austin. He was in uh, some Austin kit just yesterday. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting, right? You have, but we've already seen some players elect uh, not to return. And I don't know if the draft was part of it, but it definitely could have because then you're sort of forcing some of these players in certain markets to move to a market where cost of living is just so much higher. And exactly. again, and so that- well, I'm going to make the point. Um, Aaron, is that, you know, just, just like you said, is that the cost of living between some of these cities is just ridiculous. Um, I've, 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 I've been recently uh, getting ready to uh, make a move to Houston in the next couple of months. And the pre- in the, the housing are astronomically lower than Boston and even compared to San Diego. So is it, do players have a choice of leaving their, of leaving their original club and going to another to enter the draft? Or is it like, well, you don't want the, you don't want to enter the draft and you're shit out of luck. Yeah. And that, that, that's just what the team that's, – that's what the league hasn't been clear about, and I don't understand why there can't be clear, you know, parameters released to the public and to the media. Yeah, I, I would certainly love a fact sheet because, I, I, like I said, depending, depending on who you talk to, the details are a little bit different. But I think uh, some of the players, if they're not drafted or if they elect not to enter the draft – I think that they're allowed to play next season, but there is a, a number of matches that have to go uh, take place before they're allowed to be re-signed by any team. Because that's, that's sort of the only thing that would make sense. Cause you know, we've had players already leave 
and not want to be a part of the draft. Yeah. And I, that's the only thing I can, but again, it's, it's sort of, it's interesting and it's confusing, but the sort of can't wait to see what the major moves are. That That's definitely, that's definitely something to look forward to is what are the major moves going to be? However, how much potential is there or what's the highest ceiling for what a major move is going to be if, you know, if the de facto free agency period of, of Major League Rugby is so restrictive in terms of what a player can actually do to sign with another team. You know, I, I talked with some players during the offseason, um, you know, players from, from a few different teams saying they were talking. They had preliminary talks about other contracts with other teams before eventually deciding to sign back with their original club. Um, and so I, I, I think there is a vague sort of freedom with players to try to find a new team. But other than that, though, from what we've been saying about this draft, especially with part-time players uh, or like, you know, those fringe roster players, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of choice if you want to go out and seek a better contract or a better deal or a better opportunity at getting playing time. Yeah, I I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, part of – that conversation I had with uh, Austin this weekend is that you're going to look and look at their roster and it's going to look so different from last season. I couldn't, man, get names. Uh, even though, you know, we're having beers and just having a chat. And of course they told me what I could say and what I can't. Um, but it's, I would say about, they're only bringing back a third of their roster. So I think something like like 14 players is what they're bringing back from last season, and a lot of that has to do with Coach Allen Yarde uh, now uh, being fully a part of the, the recruitment process. And the other part is the draft. Well, Austin, Austin's one of those teams, though, that I, I, I think there was a lot of – I don't want to call it displeasure, but I think they were left wanting more um, after last season because they had those great games against uh, teams like San Diego. They nearly came up with a victory over Glendale. And so I think, I think coach Allen is going to have to, you know, he's, he's going to have to uh, like try to figure something out and to, uh, to do differently, to try to unlock that massive amount of potential that, that Austin has with people like Hanko Hammerscheiss and stuff like that. How's my so, hair? Oh, it's, it's, it's been cut. Yeah, I know, right? But that's what happens when you go to the barbershop tipsy. You're just like, keep cutting. I want to look like Macklemore. <laughs> so, Boy, uh, I, I, I was going to say, Liam, uh, watch out for the tattoo parlor then if that's a problem. Hair will grow back. <laughs> Tattoos are forever, man. <laughs> so moving you on. You see my back, uh, dude. <laughs> oh, it's, oh. it's just a huge uh, Christina Aguilera face. <laughs> and it's a good one too. True story. Yeah. I have a t- true story. I have a tattoo of a platypus chilling in a tree on my back. That's like a hundred percent true. Okay, platypus chilling in a tree. Things you do when you're so, eighteen. Yeah. Uh, so next week well, uh, on tattoos with Liam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so Ontario versus Glendale. Uh, do you get a chance to catch that, Liam? Um, yeah, actually. So when I was watching it, you know, I, I went into the game just, you know, you know, almost from muscle memory, just expecting Glendale to win. But as the game sort of went on, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I know this wasn't, a, you know, a full 100% roster for either team, especially for the Ontario Arrows, but I felt like the mechanics, the mechanics weren't the problem for Glendale. It was the execution, I guess you could say, just something didn't, something felt very rusty and uh, immobile about uh, the way they were, they tried to attack uh, this game. And I think Ontario just sort of played a, a, you know, obviously a much more better rounded uh, game than compared to Glendale. And I, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a foreshadowing of what Glendale is going to look like next season. I still saw some of those issues that we were seeing towards the playoffs and eventually in the championship uh, versus the Seawolves. I don't, as far as the names are concerned, they they had a lot of new players, and I think they're going to have a lot of new yeah. players throughout their squad. Just you know, they're gonna they had some older guys retire. Uh, we're still 
kind of wondering if Zach Fanolio is coming back because, well, let's just say when it comes to orthopedic sales, he is one of the rock stars in this country <laughs> for, stri- for striker orthopedics. Uh, striker orthopedics, I have a plate on my collarbone <laughs> from you. So sponsor the show. Thank you. Um, but so that, so he's, uh, you know, debating on different pieces because he wants to again, move forward with his career. Although you got to say like, he's an informed player, whether it's at six or at two this season, he's got to be pushing for call up back into, you know, that five match series that we have the ARC in the winter. Uh, to see if he could possibly make the World Cup if that's what he wants, but I don't, I don't know. Um, we still haven't, still haven't heard. But so, I think if they had won, he would have. The decision was made, and he was going to retire. But it's still up in the air right now. Uh, you know, someone asked me what the line I was going to put, what the line I'd put on it. And I was like, I was like, you know, they're going to play better. They're going to, they're going to play pretty well. I think they're going to look decent, and I think they did look decent, but the line I put on it, which was pretty close, Ontario ended up being better than the line I put on it. I said uh, Ontario by minus 15 because that's most of their squad, and they reinforced it with Canadian international prop, uh, Cedars Justice Duru, uh, so and a few other players were on that roster to be also. And... Glendale, for the most part, looked competent with, I think they had eight new guys. But yeah. they had eight new guys. That's the, that's how they played. Exactly. And that, when it comes down to it, that's more than half of a starting squad. Um, and rugby is a game of chemistry. You know, it's a, it's a consistently moving game. There's a lot of passing and stuff like that. Like, look, listen to me explaining the game. But when you have eight new guys, that's eight new different personalities and styles of playing that you need to get used to and you need to start to gel with, especially when it comes to areas like the scrum or in the very back of the, of the, uh, of the, of the back line. Yeah. I, my only concern is this is uh, two exhibition losses for Glendale. Uh, you know, they dropped a match to the college all Americans and now they've dropped the one to the arrows. And so I'm just, I'm just a little worried about what the impression that is giving off about the team, uh, especially going into the next season. Well, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried based on the collegiate all American game. Uh, you know, maybe uh, I know coach Williams was mad, but to be honest, I don't know if they took that game seriously because well, they were playing McGee a bunch of kids. They were playing a bunch of college kids, but Will McGee and Sean Davies just got off the plane from vacation two days before. So if the core of that squad that went out there was, you know, on vacation, because in reality, they only had about six weeks off. That's not an off season to recharge after going through that ringer. Uh, what is, what do they need? Um, you know, they probably need some more prop depth and they definitely need some locks with losing the likes of Ben Landry. We really didn't get to see what Landry could do for them because uh, after their first eight game, he was suspended for three matches and then he went straight into the Eagles pool. And I think you also need to take all of these exhibition games, just like the NFL preseason with a grain of salt. You know, a lot of these games are just meant about, uh, are just to, kind of get the rust off of players, start to build that chemistry. I don't think Dave Williams is like, you know, sat any of his players down to watch uh, game film of all, you know, of, of the college of the collegiate all Americans entire roster, you know, to, you know, prepare, you gotta prepare for this game. Everything may, you know, means so much. It's like, no, it was just, it was just going out, practicing rugby and then getting on the field <laughs> to try to shake some of the rust off. So that if they're not so- game planning, if they're- <laughs> that was a great, that was a great Dave Williams. What? <laughs> <laughs> one episode, I one episode for the in this entire season, I will impersonate Dave Williams at least once. <laughs> it's that like a promise to, to our viewers. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I that's the, I mean, it's not locks and props is sort of the is the answer to if someone asked me what teams need in in this league, it's well locks and props because locks. 
Locks aren't growing on trees in the collegiate game. Most of them are all like four sixes. And what, what does that mean is they're, you're looking at a hybrid uh, number four, number six. Uh, I guess the best way to explain it is look at Brendan Daly, who's in the Eagles uh, select squad for the APC down in Uruguay. He is a, he is a hybrid four, six. And that is the same thing that uh, Ben Landry is. He's a guy who can slot in at four and he's guys who can slot in at six. We're not seeing a lot of natural fives. Uh, the, the Charlie Hewitt's of the world. Right. And, you know, I, I talk to every coach and I say, are you, going to the college and talking to the power forward who's six, eight or six, six, you know, are, are we, are we doing the recruiting there? Because you've got, I think it's going to happen, especially in Glendale and now in San Diego, because you've got two uh, former, you've got two international locks that came from basketball backgrounds. Uh, Scott Murray, the new forwards coach for San Diego is you know, international, I think it's like Scotland number 925 is, you know, he, he was, you know, came from basketball, Luke Gross, the, uh, the Glendale Merlins division one head coach and WPL head coach for Glendale and the lineout coach for the Raptors was also an NCAA basketball player. So they're going to, they're going to go find those guys. But is anyone else looking for the crossover athlete at lock? Cause guess what? They are, uh, there aren't that many coming through the system that size in the collegiate game right now. I think, you know, it, in, in terms of, in terms of recruiting and scouting, you know, it's a whole different thing. But I think in terms of uh, what people already have right now, if you look at the Sabercats, they, they, one of the reasons their scrum uh, was so successful this season is the, the size of a ton of those guys is absolutely off the chain right now. Like you had Elkins who unfortunately um, uh, uh, left, left at the end of the season. You had Mullen who left for uh, Newcastle Falcons at the end of the season, uh, who was, he wasn't the tallest thick. And you had, uh, you, uh, and you had just a mix of other guys who were all, uh, you know, Allen uh, of course was, is another lad who was approaching like six, five, six foot six. There was a ton of size and thus there was Justin, a ton of leverage. Justin inside Allen that is from. six ten. Exactly. We're, I mean, he's pretty, pretty freaking tall when I met him. And, you know, so so as, as my as my as my mentor Grant Cole says, you got to have those big uglies in the engine room in order to get that scrum rolling. Um, and that, that's uh, you know, that was proven when the SaberCats scrum was probably the highlight of their entire season last year. Yeah. Um, but I think is it that time? Oh, I think it's that time. Uh, so every it week that time? It, it's that time. So yeah, take, take a drink, take a breath, get ready because it's time for questions from Bob. All right. So every yeah. week we, uh, we get questions from, uh, our Reddit community. So you guys can find us on Reddit. Uh, we're hanging out and moderating there at reddit.com slash R slash ML rugby. And these are the questions that come up from that forum. And, uh, yeah, usually we ask for them. Sometimes we don't, and sometimes you just send them to us. Any way we get them, we appreciate it. So, starting us off for tonight, Russ the Man 16 wants to know, are there any updates on Vancouver? I've got nothing from anyone. And, in fact, when it comes to my contacts regarding two of the bids, it's, they just, it just seems dead in the water. Uh, for me, uh, it is a targeted market for Canadian expansion. The league wants Vancouver because of how strong the local rugby is. Yeah, I mean, personally, I have a pretty shallow pool of contacts north of the border, but from but from things I've heard, it's just been something that's been talked about. Um, everybody likes to talk about how strong the BC Union is and how many butts they put in seats. But uh, but at the same time, with Seattle right there across the Sound, um, you know, I, I think that th- that region has been sort of taken care of. And I don't think that Vancouver, should they start a club, is going to see that significant uh, of, of an increase in fans over over the Seattle Seawolves. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think this is a uh, in the water. Unless they get the investors getting the investors and getting logistics together is is half the battle and until they do that then i don't even think it's 
worth a huge conversation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No one from Vancouver is going to Seattle games, man. You, especially with the way our borders like tighter than a chastity belt right now. Um, you know, you got to process that passport. It's crazy. Uh, but really it's, we're talking, if you drive, it's, uh, it's much further than, uh, San Diego to Los Angeles. Yeah, the the only reason, for God's sake, I mean, I I I went to school in Vermont, and I met Canadians who drew, who drew who drove five hours to go to uh, Jay Peak, you know, at the at the at the Vermont border every weekend. So I've seen a lot crazier things done by those Canucks. <laughs> well, going to Montreal for the weekend is uh, always a great time. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can honestly say I've, I've never I've done horrible things. I, I've never been to Canada. I've never had the pleasure of visiting our friends to the north. I might have to try that someday. So, on well, that note, what you're talking about is shout out, shout out to Bishops Rugby. A great group of guys at that college. A great group of rugby players, and I, I, I still love you guys. Very good. So next up mm-hmm. is our namesake, Bob B. Boberson wants to know. Is the league doing a neutral location for playoffs and finals again this year? What do you guys think? Um, not for the playoffs. For the finals, yes. I think that's the best way to do it, too, is because uh, playoff, like, you know, even in the MLL, um, well, yeah, MLL, MLS, and like um, NFL, it's, it's all uh, home and away playoff games, whereas championship game i think that's the best way to do it especially to get a bunch of neutral people in the, as many neutral people in the seats as possible to make sure it's a fair game and stick to what works in sports you know what i mean yeah it makes sense uh next up milk steak connoisseur wants to know how seriously do you take the rumors that tiger rugby is establishing a columbus area team and i kind of feel like we hit on this a minute ago and I think a uh, I think a Columbus-based team would be cool, especially considering uh, you know the Ohio Aviators had a cool thing going with the fortress, and um, and you know they ended up building a stadium for the Ohio Machine that was originally supposed to be shared uh, with the Ohio Aviators. Um, but at this point, I think the league is kind of moving away from the idea of of Columbus uh, being involved, especially after that they're associated with uh, with PRO at this point. Uh, um, I mean, nobody I, look wants at, that. I look at Columbus as a weird market. It's it's got enough people, it, especially when the crew leave for Austin, they won't have any major franchise unless you consider the Ohio State University as a major franchise. But you know, Cleveland is where you want to go. Shout out to Rugby City Podcast. For being from the land, uh, Terrence Kilbane, great friend of the show. <laughs> but I, I mean, so I've heard it two ways. Uh, Tiger Rugby is behind the Atlanta franchise, and Paul Holmes still wants a franchise in Ohio. Don't know. Hmm. Aaron, let me ask you this. Who who do you think is more likely to take the crown of the first like true Midwest team? Do you think it's going to be Chicago, Columbus, or somebody like the Blues? So, Saint, the Blues being St. Louis for those yeah, yeah, that yeah. don't know. I it's interesting to see where the Chicago Lions, which is the I would say the most well supported team in the the Midwest uh, rugby union. And it's really hard to know because they've just established a women's 15s program with the intent of establishing a WPL team to, uh, so that you have a team in North Shore uh, still there and a Chicago Lions women's WPL team so you don't have to fly anywhere at least for one game during the season. But – if they're going that way, it makes me think that they're going away from the MLR project. Uh, there really hasn't been much talk uh, out of Chicago. The interesting team to think about would be St. Louis. All of those who have been following the league for a while uh, may remember 
members, Blues. I, I don't want to say the St. Louis Blues, but a, a sort of subsidiary from the club of the St. Louis Blues. They were supposed to be well, no, as one of the original teams. Supposed to be Kansas City Blues. The St. Louis Blues are Kansas City. I'm sorry. The St. Louis Blues are the hockey team. Uh, St. Louis does. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm just getting shit. St. Louis does have a Division One team in the Midwestern Premiership, but I think because the Rams are gone, right, and they just have a hockey team. And yeah. shout out to he, Andrew. He, he's who on, I was of. Shout out to Andrew over on uh, YouTube for the uh, correction there. Yeah, uh, we get we're getting <laughs> our blues uh, blues confused for sure. All right. Next up, also from Milk Steak, wants to know: After the walloping that the Collegiate All Americans gave the Raptors this summer, are you concerned that colleges have a larger share of America's elite rugby talent than MLR has? Yeah, no shit. I mean, I, like, I don't mean that like an insulting way, but like right now, uh, American collegiate rugby it has the structure, it ha- has the money, it has these coaches with pedigrees and who have established a culture. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised to say that college currently probably holds a a greater median of talent in the United States. But I'm also that doesn't concern me, considering I want collegiate rugby to be successful. However, that tide is going to start turning with uh, you know as MLR starts getting more and more popular and and uh, and people start entering the league at younger and younger ages. So no, I'm not concerned. But I definitely think it's it's true to an extent. I. You know, I think it. We talked about throwing away that result, but I do think it said right there that there was enough talent in college rugby right now to have an effect on the league next year. That you would be able to raise standards with a lot of the senior class, uh, just based on uh, you know that limited sample size, because there were only I think eight or nine senior graduating seniors in that all American class that were at camp. Most of those were actually older sophomores and juniors. So I would say that there's plenty of talent in college rugby right now. The question will be not, not about kids entering the league, uh, that much earlier because we, we haven't seen anyone except uh, I think Devin Short. Uh, you know, well, no, Devin Short and Jake Chrisman being the youngest guys in the league, a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old, just doing really good things. Devin Short, I mean, we're, we're looking at a guy who can uh, eventually, when he cracks the Eagles, be a, an Eagle for a very long time if he doesn't somehow get swiped by a French or English team. Uh, but this, I mean, we, we talked about this a lot last season, and I said eventually there's going to be a level of investment that allows the league's academies to surpass what college rugby can produce. But we're at an interesting place in the road because if enough alumni for various colleges in the, in the D1A model, it doesn't even have to be the D1A model. It can be an N-scrow. We can go varsity, hardcore, and N-scrow, right? And if, they, if the colleges and the alumni invest, uh, they can be a part of the process that establishes rugby as a major sport in the United States. And because we're at the point right now where enough players are being developed to immediately make an impact. But if the college game doesn't invest in bringing in more quality coaches and having full-time staffs, they won't be able to develop the same thing uh, 10 years from now when each academy in the MLR has, you know, five coaches in it and they've, they're working with, kids at age grade from U16 up to U23 for the senior academy. I think you could also parry that problem, though, with the fact that there might be more and more coaches available the more popular the MLR gets. 
for instance, at, with the West Houston Lions, they're actually uh, encouraging many of their staff members to become certified coaches, um, to, just to uh, uh, as well as referees, just to add to the uh, you know add to the pool of uh, talent and options that the city of Houston in general has. So I think as clubs in uh, in their respective cities start to get more established and encourage programs like that, I think that will have some spillover uh, into the college system. I think we'll good. get out of here. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Uh, if your question was not addressed on tonight's show, just hang tight. Uh, we'll uh, try to answer them throughout the week, and maybe we'll pick up a few more for next week. So uh, thank you guys so much for participating in questions from Bob. All right. So and, and- does anybody... Does anybody have any final thoughts uh, before we head out this evening? Um, so I spoke to Ryan Fitzgerald of NOLA today, and he said, we're going to start making a ton of announcements, so hold on to your seat. So if you're a NOLA yeah. fan, you've got news. That is good I mean, news I, definitely, I, I definitely like NOLA. They're always a good club to follow. But um, in terms of my final thoughts, though, not, not so much uh, regarding news about the MLR, but I just want to tell our fans all out there to get excited. Get excited about this season because there is going to be good things coming. And not just to get excited about Major League Rugby. Get excited about Earful of Dirt because this blog is going to start taking over. This blog is going to start getting really good, and you guys are going to want to keep on tooting. And you got me, Liam Poach, and Aaron Castro. And then you got Corey right now. We're your favorite people. You guys need to keep tuning in, talk rugby with us because we love to do it. Our new hype man, everybody. Thank you, Liam. (laughs) Fuck right. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Uh, Thank you, everybody who tuned in on YouTube and uh, everybody who's going to be downloading this episode on Wednesday. We really appreciate the support. A little bit about us. Be sure to tune into the show every Monday night. We are live on YouTube, and then it's available for download every Wednesday morning from your favorite podcast provider. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our iTunes feed. That helps us uh, get our message out to other folks. So be sure to subscribe there. And be sure to share your news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're on all those platforms under Earful of Dirt. That's it for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.